It's 10 a.m., which means it's time for Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yes, indeed, it is time for Utah Car Sense. I am Austin Horton. Eric Jensen producing for us today here at the Carrier Studios of 97.5 and 1280 The Zone at Vivint Smart Home Arena. And joining us now from a social distant distance is the one and only Jeff Miller. Jeff, welcome back to the show. How you been, buddy? Good morning, guys. How are you guys? We are doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day, beautiful time out there. Things are seemingly taking a turn in the for the better and then some days the numbers pop up and you're like ooh, what what but if you if we look at it from a positive standpoint i think we're getting back to a little bit of normalcy what do you think yeah it seems like it's getting more and more normal but i mean we we all still got to be careful i mean i i still go to work every day with a mask on so right <laughs> i'm i think if we can be careful and we can social distance i think we can keep this thing a little bit under control but everyone still can't let off on that side of it yeah i I was reading both business insider and andy larson who by the way andy larson better be uh worse at his job of covering coronavirus otherwise when the jazz come back they're gonna be like oh you're too good at the corona stuff you can't cover the jazz anymore (laughs) but i've both of them uh recently wrote articles and pieces about everyday activities based on highest risk to lowest risk of contracting uh, COVID-19 from coronavirus. And uh, at the top of the high risk was like church and protests. But I was surprised to find that down uh, on the low risk was uh, you can go to the grocery store if you're masked up and be just fine. The, the, by, by just fine. I mean, you still could get it, but the the risk is extremely uh, a lot lower than other activities. And so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the mask. I assume all your employees are masking up. Yep, we, we have masks on our employees. One thing, it's interesting, though, because when you talk about what the state recommends, and it's interesting what they consider close contact, right? So when you're talking about the testing thing, that if you're in close contact with somebody, you're supposed to get tested, right? Yeah. So the rules, according to that Test Utah website, are close contact is defined as within six feet of someone for 10 or more minutes. Okay. So, like, you would think of close contact as, oh, I was within six feet of somebody once. For at least right? 10 I need minutes. I go get yeah. tested. Yeah. I'm in big trouble, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But it's more of a prolonged time, sitting at a desk next to someone for 10 minutes. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah. So, and it's, it's important to know that. To know that if you if you're just that. around someone, you don't necessarily need to to worry about it all that much. But if you're around someone for a prolonged period of time and they come and they become positive, then yeah, you should probably go get tested. Exactly. Like if we had a, somebody who sat at a desk next to a coworker and they the coworker got positive, we would send that other person out to get tested. Right. But just because one person in a business or a place gets positive doesn't mean the entire business has to go get tested and shut down. Something I hear all the time uh, throughout this whole ordeal, Jeff, is people call it the new normal or practices that they expect to never go away even after we have a vaccine or whatever. As a business owner, what are some of the practices you've installed at your uh, place of business that you think you'll keep around even long after we've got a virus uh, and vaccine? I think people are going to start washing their hands after they go to the bathroom. (laughs) <laughs> which you always encourage to in the first place right but like 
You, everyone's been in a bathroom. They see the fat guy go and then just walk right out of the bathroom. It's like, no! Right. <laughs> it's like, you want to go grab the person. Uh, I, don't it, think you see, I don't think you see that that much anymore. Is it wrong of me that I'm the person that when I would, you know, not without revealing too many details, but you can do the math here, when hearing someone else leave the restroom without stopping at the sink, I'm the guy that yells out, wash your hands! <laughs> is that wrong of me? See you be, I can actually see you being that guy. I have been that guy for years. <laughs> <laughs> Only one time, though, that I've done that has someone come back and said, oh, whoops, thanks, man, and washed their hands. So, Oh, my gosh, how funny is that? I think I, mean, I think the new normal is good. I mean, I, we walk – I mean, I've been really proud of people. I mean, I see – I mean, a vast majority of employees do a great job of keeping their mask on all the time. I mean, you can't – no one's perfect. Everyone's not going to be that way every time. We see a lot of customers come in in masks, not all by any means, but a good good portion of our customers are coming in wearing masks, and I think most most people are taking this thing pretty seriously. Yeah, I, I think so as well, uh, and it's a matter of, I, I've seen it in my own life, uh, when this thing first started up, I was very, very, very carefully a, a, about everything I did and paranoid. Then I kind of started to relax a little more. I would take my mask off quicker when I got to the into my little office here, or I would, uh, you know, uh, instead of getting home and jumping right in the shower, I would wait a couple hours, then take a shower before bed or whatever. But as the numbers have crept back up here, here and now and then, I, I've gone back to okay. I got to buckle back down, and I got to be more, a little more. And I use the word paranoid. That may have a negative connotation to a lot of people. It helps me to understand. Okay, if I'm a little more paranoid, then I'm a little more safer in regards to this particular topic. And I think for the most part, everybody's everybody's coming into their own with this thing that. Uh, they've, they've found a groove, and they're comfortable with that groove, and now it's a matter of respecting each other's grooves. Does that make sense? Totally, and it's not going away. I mean, this is going to be how we're going to be running business and how we're going to do things until they can get a, a vaccine, which is going to be probably next year sometime. Mm. So we got to get used to this idea of this is how we protect each other. And if literally me putting on a mask when I go to work is the least I can possibly do, I can do that. Yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not hard. I mean, I mean, I wear just like a one of those like little ski mask covers, and just when I'm, I'm in my office, I pull it down. When I'm not, I put it over my face. Yep. And walk around. Right. It's pretty yeah. easy. Not a so, big deal. And then this on top, and then then you add all the protests and stuff like that on top of this, and it's been crazy times. It has, and I know you you made some uh, not I don't know, news or some uh, uh, noise I don't know what we want to call it some important uh, comments you made on social media a couple weeks ago about Black Lives Matter and how Mark Miller Subaru is totally in support of that movement and uh, looking for real change in our country and in our world. Why don't you share with us here as we start the show your feelings that you shared on social media a few weeks ago? Absolutely. And I, and I shared it off social media. I, I wrote a letter to every one of our customers and emailed it out. I probably got, I don't know, probably 70 or 80 responses off that letter I sent to our customers mm. on emails or phone calls. Probably two to one positive. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say overwhelmingly positive, but there were some negative ones in there. And, and generally the negative ones, basically what my letter talked about is just how important it is for non-black people to understand the importance of this and that i mean i grew up in a world that i grew up in a very privileged world not only because of the color of my skin but because of the i was very privileged in private school and 
My parents, we were already always well taken care of. And I understand the fact that I have a leg up because of that, hmm. without question. And I don't have to worry about teaching my son and my daughter, my sons and my daughter, things that a black father would have to. And because of that, we have a responsibility to try and change it. And it's us that have to change it, not the black community. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're committed to do everything we possibly can to help. And that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to work on the diversity inside of our company and how we can be better. Why? I don't understand. You said it was two to one positive to negative. That's that's heartbreaking to me. Why is it not 100 to one positive that's, to negative? So I'm an eternal optimist. Yeah. And so I, I choose to say that that small part of the population. So if I say there were 20 or 25 bad emails or phone calls, that's out of 24,000 emails we okay. sent out. All right. Right. And that's out of, of the 24,000, our open rate was probably 5,000 of them, 6,000 of them were open. So small percentage of it came back with negative stuff, but some of it's pretty frightening. I mean, I literally had one person in an email. I won't say, I'm not going to obviously divulge information about who a person is, but say that the civil rights movement ended in 1963 with Martin Luther King, <sighs> that there are no racists in this world. And it's like, and it's that vision of this world, which is the problem. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you for standing up and doing the right thing and writing that letter. And I know and not just writing the letter, but obviously doing what you said in that letter. And that that's more important than writing the letter. But thanks for doing that as well. Yeah, this has to do with everything. I mean, police brutality. I mean, there's I mean, we're from a company standpoint, we're an incredible supporter of the police department. I mean, we sent a group of South Salt Lake Police Department members last year to Washington for the Fallen Officers Memorial. Mm. I mean, we definitely support police officers, but just as the police officers do, they don't support bad cops either. Yeah. And if it takes police reforms to try and get that out, I think most police officers would be in favor of that. Yeah. And, so, and, and I mean, I think there's a lot of work to do. And I think the nice thing is what you're seeing right now is you're seeing a lot of positive change. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it feels and different it to me. It keep going and that the momentum needs to keep moving. It can't stop. Yeah. It, it, it feels different to me, but like you said earlier, I'm all, I, I come from privilege as well. Uh, you know, I've, I've never lived a day in the shoes of a black man or woman in this country or in this world. And so if it feels different to me, take that with, uh, for what it's worth. That's from me, Austin Horton. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more keen to listen to those who have been impacted every single day and who have to fear or feel they have to fear getting pulled over by the police as a life or death scenario I want to know if they feel like it feels different and if there's real change happening because what you mentioned there is I, I'm the son of a former police officer. I, I totally 100% support uh, you know our, our, our police and, and law enforcement and think that it's a very important uh, safety feature in our world that uh, we need and we need to respect it and uphold it. But I also want to call those entities to the carpet as well and say, you cannot continue to support bad cops. You have to no. do more to weed out the, the, the evil among, in your group. And it's not just them. It's every one of us in whatever group we run in. we got to make sure that we weed out the bad and keep it all good so that we get to uh, live life to the fullest and, and safely. Sounds like we lost Jeff for for a moment yeah, there. I, yeah, I think I just came back. Oh, there you yeah. are. Okay, yeah. So, I, I, so anyway, I, I think we've we've both shared our our thoughts on that, and we can continue. Absolutely. If you have a phone call, 
we'll we'll entertain it uh, for for uh, you know. Uh, we want to have some decorum, and we want to have a, a constructive conversation, but we'll entertain any thoughts you have at 855-340-ZONE. But this is Utah Car Sense, and we need to talk a lot. Of, there's so much that's going on in our world, and it all impacts the car industry, Jeff. And since I didn't have you last week, I had Roger. We went over the numbers a little bit from May, but you're our numbers guy. We want to know. We know that the it wasn't as far down as an industry as it had been projected to be, but how much of a hit did the industry take in the month of May? Yeah, and it's interesting because you don't have any domestic data, right? Okay. So all the data you're looking at for May is showing non-domestic data, right? So you're oh. looking at Honda was down 16%. Honda Kia was down 18%. Mazda was pretty much even. Hmm. Subaru was down 18%. But to give perspective on Subaru, Subaru's expectations for May were 40,000 cars. And they did 52,000. Wow. They far exceeded the expectations. That's big time. That's something to Last know. Last year they did yeah. 64,000. So they were down 18%, but based on what they thought they'd be, they were a lot better. You'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Toyota was down 25%. But same idea. Is that All these places, Toyota for May expected to be down 50%. And they were down 25%. So they all, most of these companies exceeded expectations. And because of the new rules with the domestics, they don't release sales less it's on a quarter so you don't know what happened at ford you don't know what happened at gm hmm. you don't know what happened at chrysler so take it with a grain of salt but i i think as far as everybody in the car business goes from a may standpoint they're pretty excited well let me ask you that then to uh, delineate for me do you feel like the the numbers uh, being down or, or, you know, from what they were last year, do you feel like that's more about factories having to, to have been shut down or do you feel it's more about economical pinch at home from people that aren't willing to go buy a car right now? I think it has to do with just factories and people not not as much economical. I don't even think even more. I think it's just people worry about going out still, hmm. going to car dealerships. But the crazy thing is there are some car dealerships out there that I know of in places that weren't as shut down. So talk Provo, talk Ogden, mm-hmm. that didn't really shut down, right? That had their best maze in their history. <laughs> wow, really? Wow. Or the best month, even the best month in their history. So people were home, not at work, because and thought this is a great time they, to go spend a day looking really for a car. to go buy a car, and they couldn't go to Salt Lake to do it. Yeah. Well, that's, right? They couldn't yeah. go to Salt Lake County to do it. So they... So the people in Tri County traveled to these other places to say, this is the only place I can go buy a car. <laughs> so, which is weird to me. Which is really weird to me. Don't get me wrong on that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone, uh, the, you know, it just something pops in my mind, the, someone who came back to Davis County uh, positive who had traveled to Utah County to get a haircut, and then that place they got a haircut at had to be completely shut down. It's... And that's one th- one lesson I think we should learn from this whole thing, Jeff, is we need to be a little more uniform and not uh, – but yeah, I don't know exactly how to do that either, to say right, you have to do this. And, slow, you're shutting down small businesses but leaving the Walmarts of the world open. That, see, yeah. I don't uh, – Right? It's like a small business owner, they can't sell anything, but a guy but Walmart right. can sell the same product they're selling. Right. They sell groceries also. <sighs> it's – it's it's that's the terrible ugly side of this thing. Other than the deaths, is the but at the same uh, time if you're like allowing that. Walmart to open, why wouldn't you let them sell everything? Yeah, right. right. And that's why People you got to mask up. 
but anyway, back to the numbers. It sounds to me like we should be, you know, not not touchdown dance celebrating, but taking a, a sigh of relief uh, right now because May was not as bad as it should have or could have been. Yes, I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, we're still doing quite a ton of pickup drop-offs. I mean, we're probably still doing 50 a day, 40 to 50 a day pickup drop-offs. Wow. On the service side, which is huge for us. And what? How does that compare to what it was before? Five to ten. So it's ten times more. Yeah, we're doing. Yeah, we're literally having to hire concierges to be able to handle it. Speaking of, our our good buddy Adrian Lazer is now an employee of yours. That's exciting. Yeah, he's news. gonna be working. Yeah, he's gonna be starting in our call center on the first. We're really excited to have him on. Like, I ran into him the other day and. Like, wait a minute. I love Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> you want to come work for us? <laughs> yep. So we figured, so we got an interview and we figured it all out. Yeah. Best of the best. And, and our listeners here, of course, all obviously know him as well as he filled in for me several times. Uh, and uh, we miss him around these parts and glad to see he's found a, a good he's spot with you guys. He's actually a longtime customer of ours. He's bought like That's five right. cars from us. That's right. He's, he's, he's a life member. I think since he yeah. started driving, he's been an employee since he started, or a since customer. Since he's 16 years old, he's bought cars from us yep. and serviced with us. I think, I've, seen, yeah. I've seen him in our store for the last decade. <laughs> I think he knows what. I think he knows the business a little bit at this point. Yeah. yeah. He'll be a now good we're one. We're excited to have me a part of it. Well, we got it's, a, it's always fun. It's always fun for us to be able to hire our customers. Yeah, that's because they, they provide a really cool, unique perspective on how we run our business. That's a good point. That's that's a good way to look at it because they've been on the other side of the table, so to speak, in those transactions and can provide some feedback that you may not get otherwise. And I think that yeah, there, there you, are quite a few salespeople that we've hired that are literally former customers. They bought a came in, like how we sold cars, and said, "Hey, I like to do that." Okay. <laughs> well, honestly, honestly, my wife and I have had several discussions over the years since we uh, leased our car with you guys about uh, how that I've never wanted to be. I've never thought uh, I've never been uh, appealed towards selling cars, but you guys don't really sell cars. You help people find cars and yeah, it's, it's not, different. There's not much selling going on in our guys. The guys find the right car for someone. They bring them in, they show them the price. And if you want it, you take it. If you don't, you don't. Right. So it's not, there's not a lot of selling to it. It's, there's no there's not a lot of direct selling to it. I guess is a good way to put it. As our conversation continues to be fluid here, leading from one thing to another, you just mentioned the the promise price program that you have, and we had oh uh, what was his name last week? Uh, Rock, Zach Rock. What was uh, his? Jordan. Jordan, Jordan Rock. Jordan. Thank you. Jordan right. Rock uh, joined us for the first segment last week. Product specialist down there at the Southtown store, and I asked him about promise pricing. And he gave more than just the quote-unquote company line, I like it, it's good. He dived into why he is in love with the idea and why he, and Roger threw in, he'll never go back. And he's a 30-plus year veteran of the the car industry. Have you ever had uh, an employee uh, since the day you instilled it? Uh, Obviously, there was some pushback when you started, but since then, has anyone come to you and said, this is not working? Why are we doing this still? The first year of it, we had a few, mm-hmm. and then after after we were a year into it, I've never had one complaint. Mm. Never had one person. One Jordan's a great story too. I'll just give him a shout out since he was on the show last week. We actually we inherited Jordan when we bought Larry Miller Subaru. Oh, okay. So Jordan actually Jordan started with us in November. He was one of the original Southtown employees. So we we he was a salesperson for Larry Miller Subaru, in, and when we took it over in November of two thousand nine. Wow. So Jordan will have his 11-year anniversary with Mark Miller Subaru 
this year. Well, and that's a guy that obviously knows Subaru. That's a good that's a good uh, asset for you to have there as a product specialist. He's been in Subarus for so long. Yeah, I think I think the interesting thing about it with that Larry Miller group when it was Larry Miller Subarus that they, they weren't there wasn't any longevity. So I mean, he'd only been there I think six months, seven months. Oh, okay. Because and and he was one of the longest term salesperson there. Wow. So there just there wasn't very much longevity in that store. And so when he, so like it was, it was pretty crazy. So we have, I think there's about, I forgot that. I think there's about 12 people left from the original, which is pretty crazy actually, 11 years later, because there were only 40 something employees there. I think we still have tw- like 10 or 12 of them hmm. that wow. still work for us. That's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we just moved Pete and Pete Philbrook, who's been on the show a lot. Yeah, I got to talk uh, to him in a break. We just moved him. Yeah, we just moved him back down to Southtown as well as a, a sales manager again. Awesome, and that that guy that guy's a good. That's he's as good as they come as a as a person. He's a yeah, he's Pete a fighter, an incredible person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's Utah Car Sense presented by Mark Miller Subaru. He's Jeff Miller. I'm Austin Horton. Eric Jensen producing for us today at eight five five three four zero zone. Something I wanted to see if people would call in and, and talk to us uh, about today, Jeff, was their summer vacation plans. And if anybody is, uh, you know, uh, still holding on to those airline tickets, or if they've cashed those in and are going to be traveling by a ca- via car this summer i'd like to know what what are your uh, where do you stand on air travel versus ground travel for your summer plans and where are you going and where you're taking your family and i'd like to know because and it's a little selfish of me it's kind of r&d yeah, for me i want to know what your view is well that's that's why i want to do this i want to see what people are thinking because it's from a price standpoint i don't know if there's been a better time to buy an airline ticket but uh, right. yeah, so it, it's, it's is, enticing. I mean, if you got to imagine, like from an airline standpoint, an airport standpoint, there will never be a cleaner time to travel. As far as them like wiping down sure. seats and right, I mean they were right. never disinfecting seats on an airplane. I'll, I'll bet some of those planes, the seats hadn't been disinfected in weeks. Fun. Oh, no question. Now it's like between every flight, I think like half the seats are empty on a plane. I think they can, they're only filling them to like sixty percent capacity. Hmm. So it's going to be easy to get on and off a plane. There's not going to be anyone in the airport. Like I think air travel actually sounds pretty nice. Fun story. When uh, the world ended a few months ago, I was in <laughs> I was in uh, Pennsylvania that Wednesday night. The NBA uh, obviously shut down and oh, yeah. everything got crazy. And I flew back on a Monday and I was one of like 20 people on a plane. On the whole plane? Yeah, yeah. it was wild. It, it, it was just one of the most wild experiences I've, I've ever had. It, yeah. was, it was quite interesting. So that's, I'd like to hear from uh, the listeners. Uh, what are your plans this summer? Where do you stand on that whole idea? Because like I said, uh, we had plans to go to the ocean this summer. We've put that on, on hold. But uh, I like to. I prefer to air travel when I travel, just because I'm not a road trip guy. But I'm not gonna lie, the ocean's a pretty generic place. Which ocean? <laughs> well, you know, there's how many are there? Seven? <laughs> how many oceans are there in this world? <laughs> to the ocean. I'm going to the good one. Uh, I'll say that. No, the, I, I like uh, I like the Southern California beaches a lot. Yeah, uh, there you go. But not right now. <laughs> I'm not going there right now. But that's just me. But we still need to do something. We still need. And I, I was talking to coworkers this week, Jeff, about I don't because there's also this. I think I feel like there's this stigma or 
self-imposed uh, uh, doubt in in people right now. Should I take my vacation or or will, will I lose my job? Or and I'm not talking about here at LHM. I'm talking just the world in general. As we've seen so many people lose their jobs, I think that scares people from right. using their vacation. But I don't know that there's ever been a better time in my lifetime to have paid vacation available to use because it's so important to check out and refresh and come back. And you're a better employee, in my opinion, after you come back from a good vacation. I cannot agree more. We, that's what we actually force our employees to take vacation. You force them? We don't. Yeah, they can't. Well, they can pay out a certain percentage of their vacation. Right. But they have to take a vacation. <laughs> that's awesome. That's Even great. If they want to just go sit at home and do nothing. We force employees to take vacation at least one week a year. That's that's amazing. Yeah, our, I mean, our top guys like after ten years, you get twenty days of vacation or something like that. I don't know what the number is. Nineteen days, but we force them to take at least half of their vacation. Hmm. So they have to go. They don't have to go anywhere if they don't want to, but. Right. They can't be in the store. <laughs> you, you don't request a, 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 a postcard from Guadalajara no, or wherever they're going. Somewhere, but <laughs> just, you can't, you can't be here for a week. Want you, and I don't want you answering emails. I don't want you calling customers. Oh, that's I want beautiful. you checked out. That's so important. That's so yeah, important. I'm, I'm, I'm going out of town. I do it for myself as well. I mean, we're going out of town next week. We're, the, we're taking the kids Where are we going? to Oregon. Okay. What time are we leaving? Oregon, Oregon coast. Let's go. Are you driving? No, we're gonna fly. Are you really? See, look at you. See, look at you. All right, let, yeah, but we got we got all the setups. We got the disinfectant packages. We got masks. We got it all. We got the whole setup. Are your kids good about wearing the mask? Yeah, they'll be they're good about that. Are they? Yeah, I guess gonna, they're they're old enough now. They get it. In, we're not staying in a hotel. We have an Airbnb that we're staying in. Yeah, yeah. There's ways to do it. Uh, see, and that's why I want to know what are your plans this summer, Jeff? You're you're headed out next week. And you, uh, you're taking the dive on the airplane uh, ride, and well, that's not a good way to say that. You're uh, jumping into the airplane. Poor phrasing, man. Cool. Uh, and yeah. Jack at eight five five three four zero zone. Jack is with us. Jack, do you have plans this summer? Okay, I guess we lost Jack. Jack is not with us. We lost Jack for a moment. Well, uh, we we we'd love to hear from you here, at Utah Car Sense eight five five three four zero zone. What are your plans this summer? You're driving, you're flying, you're staying home. Do you feel like you can't take vacation? We'd love to hear from you, 855-340-ZONE. When we come back on the other side, there's a lot of Tesla news, good and bad, that we got to digest. The Inland Port is getting uh, some more news being released about that amidst a gubernatorial race. And Little Cottonwood Canyon, you can help the Utah Department of Transportation make permanent decisions to fix Little Cottonwood Canyon. How? We'll tell you about it next on Utah Carson's. Have a car question? Ask the experts at 855-340-ZONE. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah, we're back. Utah Car Sense presented by Mark Miller Subaru. 855-340-ZONE is the number to talk to Jeff Miller. 855-340-ZONE. And right there is where we're going to start. Jack is back with us. Sorry about that before, Jack. How are you today? Uh, great. So I wanted to tell you, my kid won the BMW M4 
two-door convertible hardtop, a used one. So he went on the Internet. He found one in uh, Southern California. So he had a friend that lived nearby, went and looked at it, and test drove it. A dealer had it, and it was uh, 7,000 miles, remainder of factory warranty. Wow. And the dealer told him that, the dealer told him that uh, 10000 under book because cars over 25000 aren't selling in Southern California. Jeez. So, so he bought well, it. He and it, it immediately? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it took a little longer to get it up here, but the whole deal took like uh, three weeks. Hmm. So he's happy with it. Wow. That's a great deal. With That's hope. awesome. So, are car sales down like that up here on used cars, or, or are they? You might have just hit. You might have just hit a good timing on it, because essentially what we've seen in it is the used car market initially dropped pretty heavily, but we're really seeing the used car market come back up pretty hard because of huh? new cars, new car inventories are going away so fast, and they haven't they're not been able to be replaced because the factories aren't at one hundred percent that you're starting to see used car pricing go back up. Hmm. So are you seeing trade-ins or no trade-ins? We're still taking trade-ins. Oh, we, we love trade-ins. And our trade-ins, the value on, like I said, that first during April, the values we were getting on them were pretty light. But now it's, it's getting back pretty close to normal, if not higher. Huh. Well, uh, thanks for your car show. It's great. Thank you, Jack. Always appreciate hearing from you and Congrats to your son. That's that's, that's an incredible uh, get. A BMW two-door hardtop? Come on. Yeah, for seven thousand With 7,000 miles on it, 10,000 under book? Yeah, that's something you, you take right then before someone else grabs it for sure. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I mean, trying to get used cars is really difficult right now. Used car, the auctions are hard to find. Like, I mean, it's, it's a hard world trying to get used cars right now. It's, it seems to be a supply issue used and new right now totally uh, everywhere no matter the brand and they generally go together because this new car inventory drops these all these organizations are looking for things to sell and so they go to the used car world mm. so i mean i mean we're running pretty close to 40 45 day supplies of new cars where we normally run 60 right uh, our, our, our toyota sort of down to almost a 30 day supply of new cars mm. well, we have more new we have more new subarus on the ground at midtown than we have toyota's which is crazy. Well, uh, a company like Hertz, who is right now currently selling their entire fleet of vehicles after uh, filing for bankruptcy, you could you could find yourself a, a rental used car for a really good deal right now if you want if you dare to go that route, uh, because Hertz and other uh, rental car, car companies, Jeff, are they're out of business and they got to sell their fleets. And so you go in there, you make them offer. They're probably gonna, you're probably gonna walk away with a good deal. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing a lot of that come out. I mean, a lot of those are just going to the auction, and dealers are picking them up. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, you're gonna see a lot of those. A lot of people are worried about that lowering the used car market, but we haven't, we haven't seen a big push that direction yet. There, uh, one. So iccars.com is saying that uh, you could get uh, a Kia Forte four door compact from Hertz. For an average price of ten thousand eight hundred or twelve percent below market value, they're also selling their luxury arms like the BMW Sevens, an average of forty-two thousand six, which is a discount of nearly fourteen percent off uh, book 
right now, and, and they've got the Toyota Tundra. So family's looking for vans also or whatever you're doing. Yeah, if you're into, the, if you're a used car uh, purchaser, yeah, I don't know. I, you, I, I personally, I would go with someone like you know Mark Miller Subaru uh, and know that it's being taken care of and I'm being taken care of. But you could at least go check out what they've got going on there. But how, how, how impactful on the industry overall is it when a company like Hertz or Dollar goes out of business, Jeff? No, it's a huge thing. You're talking tens of thousands of cars that flood a used car market and. When the market gets flooded like that, generally you see prices drop and it becomes deals. Hopefully it's not going to be as much of a rush as people think it is. Hmm. So it shouldn't affect the prices. And the counter of it of the needing used cars probably doesn't have it have as big of an effect. But it, it can make a huge difference in the used car market for years, a company hmm. going down like that. Good news for Elon Musk. Tesla just became the most valuable automotive company or automotive maker i should say as their stocks are now selling at a thousand dollars each uh that led elon musk to laugh he literally tweeted out lol he doesn't know why this is happening he's not sure uh, that it's makes a lot of sense and i agree i think long term you can see why it would be doing that but right now it's it's a little weird to see him being the the most uh, valuable automotive maker but that's good news for Tesla to, to be that, especially if you got in on the ground floor and now you're selling out at $1,000 a share. Jeff, how, how is that Tesla stock treating you? I don't have any Tesla <laughs> stock. I, I wish I had some Tesla stock. <laughs> I just, I just will. It's down under 1000 again. Oh, it went back down? Okay. All right. Yeah, it's down to 930 now. Oh, well. Yeah, it's gone. I mean, it's a ride. I mean, since... When we started talking about Tesla on this show, when we first first kind of jumped on the market when the show started six or seven years ago, and it was like fifteen bucks a share, thirty mm. bucks a share. Wow, what were a we doing? Thousand? Yeah, we should have stopped listening to ourselves. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 just crazy. I mean, I don't I don't get it, but. Yeah. Not many people do. Uh, and, you know, he said that he they planned on putting off the semi-truck until next year, but then, of course, that took a hit on the stock. So you saw him say publicly, actually, I would like to get that going sooner, and then the stocks went back up. That's This is the game. That's the game that uh, Elon Musk is very, very good at, is selling uh, hope and, and selling a product that uh, is really cool. But it's got issues like what's happening in a new class action lawsuit over uh, paint issues on the Model 3. Uh, uh, The Tesla Model 3 owners in places that have heavy salt, sand, or gravel, or cold winter conditions are already seeing their brand new, less than a year old Model 3's uh, paint along the bottom of the car deteriorating, chipping, and wearing off. Uh, Tesla has somewhat acknowledged the issue. They started offering the all-weather protection kit for free to owners in colder climates. But the issue has especially been a problem in Quebec, Canada, where there are many Model 3 owners thanks to the local EV incentives and cheap electricity. Jean-Francois Belarus decided to start a class-action lawsuit against Tesla because they refused to repair his paint issues. The lawsuit states that Belarus noticed some accelerated paint deterioration on his less than a year old Model 3 in February after going through its first winter. When he contacted Tesla about the problem, they refused to fix the issue under warranty. 
The Model 3 owner went to a body shop and was quoted $4,700 to fix the paint and corrosion at the bottom of his car. And they didn't cover it. And after several attempts to Tesla, they still refused to cover it. And he decided then, okay, I guess I'll file a class action lawsuit and you can get in on this. Uh, the lawsuit in full is in French, uh, but you can uh, find a translator and get in on that if you're one of those people. <laughs> I, I would think that there's Model 3 owners in this region, in our market, that would have similar yep. experience to those in Quebec. Yeah, especially with all the salt on the road, for sure. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, and salt's not good for any paint. Let's, I mean, we're, we're, this isn't – I'm not saying, oh, Tesla had bad paint. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Salt is not good for any paint, but a good paint job will withstand at least a few winters, especially if you take good care of it before you start seeing any marks or paint rub off. But this guy just went through a, just the first four months of four months of winter owning the car, and it's already to the point where five thousand dollars of damage is done to it. What what are some uh, suggestions that you have for people? How often should we like be getting that undercarriage wash? in your opinion, Jeff, in the winter. Does that help with that corrosion? Absolutely. I mean, I think from a, after a big storm and the thing, you absolutely need to get your car washed. I mean, if you really want to take good care of a car like that, I would, after a big storm is when I would focus on it. Mm. When you know that there's salt on the road, you know there's salt caked under your car, go to, a, just go to one of those car washes and get it, or you can go just grab a power wash and spray under your car, especially the wheel wells is where it gets in there. Oh. The wheel wells is the biggest part. If you get a lot of corrosion and rust up in the wheel well, you're in trouble. That would yeah, not what be good. happens is that that's where the snow gets in and the salt and all that gets stuck in there. So yeah, that is what I would focus on the most. Uh, spe- while we're on the subject of snow and driving in the snow, we've spoken several times before about the, we'll call it congestion issues and uh, in Little Cottonwood Canyon during the su- snow snowy time of the year, yeah. Jeff. Uh, yep. There's a trio of possible options to improve the traffic movement in Little Cottonwood Canyon now. Uh, a gondola, an enhanced bus service, or widening the road to put in a bus-only lane. Uh, all three options are costly and include the consideration of tolling or vehicle occupancy restrictions in addition to the st- construction of parking structures at the base of the canyon. But... The transportation agency here in Utah wants to widen Wasatch Boulevard to not only alleviate winter uh, alleviate winter time congestion on busy ski days, but to reduce peak traffic clogs due to the evening commute. Project manager Josh Vendura stressed that all three options need extensive public input. It kicked off uh, five days ago on the eighth, and it's now available for thirty more days as a comment period that will help shape a draft environmental review that will be released in spring of next year. So it would be like a gondola from the base, from that base parking lot? So the uh, option, the, let's see, where's the gondola details here? Uh, the gondola... I just found it. 30 gondolas. So a new gondola, every two minutes a gondola comes. That's awesome. Uh, How many people fit in a gondola? That's pretty cool. You'll have... What's the cost? Uh, it says 30 running per hour, right? Carry up to 35 people. We'll unload directly at Snowbird or Alta. Uh, you'll have to have a parking structure there uh, that will take... You'll, you'll have a parking structure at the mouth of the canyon. A bus will take you from the structure to the gondola, and then the gondola to the resort and back. Uh, and it says... A thousand parking stalls on Highland Drive, then you take a bus from Highland Drive to the gondola, 
and get on a gondola to get to the resort. So the gondola also includes like these avalanche roadways or overpasses that will funnel the avalanche to an area that will then go over the road and not have to. You won't have to shut down the canyon for avalanche one scares. Crazy, one cool thing about the, the gondola too is that during heavy snowstorms, when they shut down the canyon, you probably can keep it running. Well, I think yeah. I don't think you're. Would they leave you stuck up there? I think you'd. I think you're right. I think a gondola would still be able to right, operate and get a, you back one of to your vehicle. The biggest problem with Little Cottonwood is that they when the when there's an avalanche and it shuts the road down, mm-hmm. like people are just stuck up there for nights. Yes, right. But this would be have a way to get people out. You can soar above the avalanche on a gondola and and get back down the mountain. Now uh, that option is three hundred and ninety three million dollars, and it's the second most. Uh, expensive of the three options. The first option being uh, an enhanced bus service running 24 buses an hour or one every five minutes. Uh, It features a direct service with some buses that would go directly to Alta without stopping at Snowbird and vice versa. That option with the bus lane would be $283 million. That's the cheapest of the three. And then the other option that we haven't mentioned it is $470 million, and that includes uh, an enhanced bus, but also proposes widening the shoulder of State Route 201 up Little, Wood, Little Cottonwood Canyon to feature a bus lane and provide greater room for bicyclists in the summer months. So of those three, Jeff, what would be your commentary? What would be your your option, your choice? I would say the gondola. Me too. I, I can't believe that it's not the most that, I mean, expensive. I just think the, just the thought process of keeping buses and that many cars out of that canyon would be amazing. Yeah. Like the problem with the enhanced bus services and stuff like that is you're still having 24 more buses going up and down that canyon every day. Right. Right. Yes. The gondola is going to lower traffic because it's going to take all the buses off the road. Which that will help the pollution as well. Uh, the I, I think idea is awesome. I think it, I, I'm with you there because I think if we go with option one, where we just have all these buses going up and down, unless they're clean air buses, I don't see how that's going to be all that be- that that great of an idea. And also, like you mentioned, with avalanche or or bad really bad winter weather, those buses are going to have to stop, and you might be stuck up there on the mountain if you're relying on a bus to come back and get you to take you back down. Whereas a gondola that can in, in theory, at least, continue to operate. Now, if there's high winds or anything like that, perhaps they'd have to shut down for a little bit. Uh, but I, I think that I think that I'm with you. I think the gondola is the better of the three. Uh, I wonder what the cons are with the gondola, because the, it doesn't really list any cons in this article. It just lays forth what the ideas are. Virtual meetings on the draft review are held on June 22nd from six to eight, and again on June 23rd from 6 to 8, and uh, they expect a final decision at the end of 2021. So we got, uh, if you've got an opinion on that, you need to, but it doesn't, are you seeing a place where we can actually go make comment on this? I'm not seeing a link or anything. On the tweet, there's a tweet from the LL from the U.LCCEIS. Okay. That you can comment on it. Okay, great. So comment on social media. they're 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 actually answering comments, too. Well, I, I would hope so. I hope that's the idea here is to have an open conversation and discussion as we help each other research and develop the best way to fix that. Because now, is that the canyon that they were imposing tolls on already this last winter where it was $25 per empty car or something like that? 
I can't remember if it was know. that or Big Cotton. I think it was Sol- Solitude and Brighton. They were charging parking, charging to park. That's what it was. Okay. All right. So that was the yeah, other. Like but, if, you didn't, if you had more people in your car, it was less to park, that kind of thing. That's right. Yeah. Okay. But now, this I is. I remember going up to uh, Deer Valley last winter, and some of the days we went up to Deer Valley, if you had more than three people in your car, you got to park in the closest lot. Really? Wow. It was awesome. That's a good incentive. For ski lessons and stuff. So we had a load on. We had five of us in the car. And so we got to park in the front lot because we had more people. Hmm. That's a, real, that's no a really good incentive. Yeah. Uh, car I like that though. I think the gondola idea is a cool idea. I hope that that's what they go with. I think I think that's great. And uh, honestly, if we're, I don't think it should stop with that canyon. Frankly, I think we ought to think bigger too. And I think we ought to look into doing it elsewhere. Especially if if we're gonna want to host the Olympics again, which I think we're already well equipped to do so. But I think we're gonna need to you know have some cool enhancements and, and things that will help our infrastructure after the Olympics are gone. I don't see why not improving all of the commuting. Uh, options in all of our canyons during the winter would be a bad idea. Totally. Hey, did, uh, did you see this article in Automotive News about um, new car launches? No, I didn't. About how far up new car launches are over the next few years? Like how far they're so, being pushed out? Like like a new model launch. Right? right, okay. So whether like a new Outback or a new model completely. like So the average new model launch per year for the last 20 years has been 40. So there are 40 new model launches every year. Okay. All right. So estimated in 2022, the new model launch count is 77. Wow. 2023 is 70, and 2024 is estimated at 63. Wow. So almost double next year. Yeah, they're calling it Car Wars. <laughs> so, so, oh my gosh. Now, how many of them are cars? Half of them will be crossovers. Yeah, okay. 28% will be SUVs or pickups. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That's, in, that's insane. 40 to 70. So we're, we're used to 40. Now we're going almost to 80. Uh, yeah, look, so this, uh, the new models coming in the next four years, this is interesting, only half of them will have internal combustion engines. 26% electric and 23% hybrids. Wow. That's good. That's good. So that more and more people, more and more demand for the hybrid and the electric. Yeah. So you're seeing you know, the new cars coming out, the vast majority of them are going to be non-internal combustion, hmm. which is pretty crazy. That is nuts. That's good. That's that, that's great. I think I think we need to move more into the hybrid uh, area I- I- across the across the world in the industry of the cars. I wish that there was more options on that. You you've been driving around a hybrid, but you've got a different I mean, hybrid now, don't you? Yeah, so I got the same same car again. So I got the, just a new model here because we had someone who wanted to buy my used one. Okay. So you stole my used one to someone, and I got a new one. So I bought that car a month ago now. This is the Cross Track. Eight hundred and yeah, I got eight hundred and forty miles on it as of yesterday. I've used a third of a tank of gas. You've not filled up over eight hundred miles. Not only have I not filled up. I am one dot under the three-quarter tank on the gas meter. Stop it. I hate you. (laughs) I've literally used two-thirds of a tank of gas. I've used one-third of a tank of gas. You've got two-thirds left after 800 miles. I've probably used four gallons of gas to go 860 miles. (laughs) All right. Uh, And you can buy Jeff's car. Uh (laughs) Isn't that that amazing, though? It's funny. We had a couple people test drove it yesterday at the Midtown store. I, I leave it available for test drives so people can actually drive one. 
I, one guy who's like, are you on your first tank? I was like, yeah. He's <laughs> like, wow. Wait, so this is cool. This is even including all the, the, the test drives. This is... Yeah, I mean, most people who test drive are pretty nice about it. Right. Because the idea is, not, I, yeah. I mean, I go from south town to midtown to home pretty much is all my driving. And so I'm going under the 17 miles every day. And so I'm always on electric. I, I rarely take the freeway. Like when I go to Holiday to Southtown, I'll take Highland Drive or 7th East all the way out. Wow. Okay. And we're generally when I go from Southtown to Midtown, I'll just take State Street the whole way. What's the so threshold MPH before it kicks into the the gas? 65. Okay. So if you stay under 65, you stay on the electric. Yeah. So as long as you're under 65 miles an hour, it stays. it'll stay electric as long as you don't push it. I mean, if you punch it and hit the gas real hard, it'll kick out of it. Well, I see. Yeah. But, well, but you can keep it. Yeah. So the idea is you can drive on the freeway. You just have to go 64 miles an hour. And if I'm not mistaken, people don't, you, people you, don't like that, by the way. <laughs> no, I, uh, it, I yeah. had my wife my get wife over in the hybrid lane. Will you driving out to South Town and she knows how serious I am about this one tank of gas thing. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, I drove on the freeway and I was going 64 miles an hour. And that's like, like, people don't like that. Yeah. Suddenly, people aren't nice when you're going 65. It's like, yeah, stay on the freeway, <laughs> or just or just use some gas. It's okay. Like, it's all right. Yeah. It happen occasionally. Go a couple miles on the freeway like a normal uh, driver, and you'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that car has been awesome. I really, I really do like that hybrid. I wish they made more of them. If I'm not mistaken, you have the uh, tools and training now available on your service end for that type of vehicle, right? Uh huh. Because that that so that's we have the tools that we we're able to we bring we have to bring them in from California or Oregon or Washington, so we can't get them shipped to us from Subaru, but we can trade for them. The the vehicle, yeah, the vehicle. But you have the the tools to service and the expertise to service those now at Mark Motion. Yeah, I want to say we have between the two stores. I want to say we have three or four guys that are certified. What what goes them. into that? What how different is it to certify and train on that versus a combustion? I want to say the hybrid class was a four-day class. Okay. So we had to send them out to Denver or Irvine, and they do a four-day hybrid class, and they take them through everything about it. And uh, certified. I assume the the voltage in the battery is the big, the big change. Yeah, no rules on it. That when you're working on it and taking the battery out, I mean, it's really funny. Like you have to, you have to put cones around your bay and caution mm-hmm. tape, and you have to caution tape off your bay. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> To see someone who actually has to work on one. It looks like a murder scene. Oh, that question it does. It's like you just come to a police scene. It's like, what's going on here? It's like hybrid. <laughs> Changing the hybrid. Fixing the hybrid. Yeah, pretty crazy. Well, we'll take our second break. When we come back for hour two, uh, I got to talk to you about the 2020 Forester and the 2020 Outback because uh, I've been spoiled over the last four weeks. We've had to uh, we, we've had to get our car serviced twice. Uh, once was just the normal tune-up. The other was because someone doesn't know how to secure their load on the freeway. Uh, but <laughs> the benefit of that was I got to drive both. And uh, with me being in a lease, a lease year, as it's called, as it, as it were, we're trying to decide, Outback or Forester, and boy, it, it's becoming a hard decision. We'll talk to Jeff about that and more uh, from the industry around the world. Uh, as there's an article about electric vehicle or gas, which is cheaper to own right now. We'll talk about that and more next on Utah Car Sense.